Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. The COB is presented by Rabobank, awarded 2023 SMSF Savings Bank of the Year by Mozo. This is the program, the COB, all the stuff you need to know about the day in business and markets. Uh, how are you? I'm good, Nadine. Good. How are you? I almost <laughs> forgot my own name. Uh, look, it has been another one of those days. So yesterday we were down by about 0.7%. Mm. And we couldn't do it today, could we? No, we couldn't. So the ASX 200 looks down. It's like down 30 points or four tenths of a percent. And we might check on the SIBO 200. Pretty similar, down five points and almost four tenths of a percent. So it did try and have a wee rally in uh, around that lunchtime. But, you know, I think really everybody's waiting for the FOMC meeting yeah. tomorrow. A lot. So that meeting begins tonight. You know, it's a two-day meeting. So we get the results 4 a.m. on Thursday. Mm -hmm. um, but we also have some pressure coming through for the price of iron ore. So that never does great things for the big miners. And oil. Yeah, the oil price mm. up around those 10-month highs. And that becomes a very big concern for central banks. One of our key themes is, well, central banks in general, because it's a big week, as we know. Uh, but we got our RBA me meeting minutes today. And yeah. one thing that really stood out to me was them calling out petrol prices yeah. up in August. Of yeah. course, they've just continued to rise, saying that that could complicate the inflation picture for the quarter. Yeah. And inflation is still, you know, public enemy number one. Absolutely. Um, I'd had a chat with Paul Bloxham yeah. today. And the general takeaway at the end was everything's kind of ratcheted up to a little bit more hawkish again because mm -hmm. this oil price is really putting a spanner in the works big time. And, and uh, you can't know, see that changing anytime soon, No, really. no. Great conversation with Michael Howell of Cross Border Capital and he came out and actually said it. He thinks it's geopolitics. He thinks it's the Russians and the Saudis and the Chinese are all in cahoots because they really want to make it tough for Joe Biden going into the election year. So yep. there you go. It is about geopolitics, but they, um, uh, they don't like Joe Biden. No, and we don't. had the G7 in Japan issuing a statement today calling on China to call out Russia's actions against Ukraine. Mm. So, I mean, you know, you had the recent meeting in India, G20, mm. and that was criticized for being watered down. Mm. But, you know, you've got China in bed with Russia. It's mm. just such a complicated geopolitical picture right now. Totally. And we haven't really been talking a lot about geopolitical risk, have we? No, we haven't. But it is on the table. And I think everybody needs to be, you know, aware of it. You know, the US weaponized the dollar at the start of the Ukraine war. And I kind of figure they've, uh, you know, this, this new alliance, they've worked out ways that they can have a pop at the Western world. 
So we are watching pressure coming through in terms of iron ore, and that、mm. was despite some of those property plays in China getting a bit of a reprieve、yeah. because they did a deal with their creditors today.、Um, but talking about more domestic supply in China and、um, some supply concerns. In fact, Bloomberg is reporting.、Mm. I trust it.、Um, they've obviously done a interview with the CEO or had him present at some event.、Yeah. I don't actually know the detail, but saying that Rio. Of Rio Tinto, yeah, yeah saying、um, he reckons Jacob, forget his last name,、yeah. um, that he reckons we're sort of nearing peak, peak iron ore steel、yeah. demand in China. That's big. It is big for investors here, particularly since they've got that huge Simandu, you know, development over in Africa、Gunna. as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So some of those themes we'll be touching upon them with our guest who comes up a little bit later in the program. But let's just see how they influence those themes. What happened today? And look no further than the miners for an expression of the pressure that's coming through, in particular in regards to iron ore. Yep. The REITs interest rate sensitive. Yeah.、Uh, yes. A little bit of profit taking. Not too bad, really. Charter Hall, of course, it tends to be a little bit more illiquid. So that's off one point three percent there. But you know, I wouldn't say that's too bad considering. Let's have a look at the staples. Meant to be defensive, but they、mm-hmm. haven't been as defensive as they should have been. And look at that. Endeavour Group and Treasury Wines continuing、uh, to be sold off. It's funny. A lot of experts, bro. Because they really like Treasury wine these days,、uh, Woodside. So the energy sector getting some love there with Santos and Woodside, but the rest still undergoing a little bit of profit taking there. But、um, yeah, yeah, sector wise, it was nine out of eleven. Yeah,、um, lower. You know, a little bit of life in consumer discretionary as well.、Um, Corporate news again.、Uh, well, I should say that the sector that did well, the subsector that did well、coal. today, were the gold. Well,、oh, gold and coal. Gold. Yeah. <laughs> I see why you say gold because we did have New Hope. New Hope was out with its full year twenty three results. Shares were up by three percent. Record coal prices. Yep. Nice、um, dividend. Yeah, better. Th- yeah, better than expected dividend coming through there. So nice pop there for New Hope. Absolutely. Newcrest.、Like, yeah.、Um, Newmont got the nod from the FERB, the Foreign Investment Review Board. There you go. Still needs shareholder approval. From my understanding, still needs a few regulatory approvals. But look, that's looking like it's、yeah. going, going through. To, going to go ahead.、Um, Orica. They have put some emissions targets. Whether or not that's why. Their share price was up nearly two percent. At don't know Silver Lake. It was sold down yesterday on news that it had bought a significant stake of a company called Red Five. Today, right. rising、um, in response to that news, and、yeah. Block had a Jack Dorsey's coming back. Is so, he coming back? Yeah. So basically, that's what happened.、Oh. He, the new CEO, relatively new of about eight or nine months、um, at Square, she is leaving, and Jack is coming back for the Square operation. So clearly, the market <clears throat> didn't really like that. That news came out quite late from memory. Market might have been closed in the US when it came out, so this might be the first response to it、uh, down under. Yeah, I I saw that the chief executive Alyssa Henry had、um, left the company. She'd、yep. been at the company for nine years. I sort of didn't、oh, um, years, read the PS、mm-hmm. that Dorsey is coming back as Square's new head. So interesting to see the share price reaction there.、Um, but、uh, New Hope, that was the stock of the、It、day. Was the stock、yeah. of the day? Yeah. Let's listen to what they had to say. I would happily, you know, if they said, "Look, we'll pay out every dollar of cash earnings,"、uh, we'll run this thing for cash for as long as we can because there is a risk. 
we don't have an asset in X year's time, I would be in their boots and all because I think you're going to get a really good result out of it. If they're going to reinvest, and I was talking about coal miners generally, not just New Hope. If you're investing in more coal mines because, you know, every, if, you're, if a hammer, every problem looks like a nail, you're going to keep doing what you've always done. And we do end up with stranded assets. If we do, then the zero is the terminal value, in which case you have to get all that value out before you get to that point. I'm not convinced Whitehaven are doing that. New Hope are better than Whitehaven on that score. I can't say I'd buy them for that reason just now. If there was a clearer, more deliberate outcome. And again, by the way, I'm not saying that there has to be. I'm not saying there will be stranded assets. I'm just saying, given there's a chance of that and a chance of a zero terminal value, you want to make sure you're getting more value up front than you are probably getting at right. the moment. I can't be confident that the earnings are going to be higher in five years' time. Right. But I'm saying for anyone who's watching it who um, is willing to accept the risk on supply and demand, because that's what it comes down yep. to, yep. it's very cheap. Two different ways to cut the cake. One, it's very cheap, and one, if it goes to a, a terminal zero value, they've got to pay out a lot of dividends. But I've generally, I mean, they sound reasonably upbeat about New Hope, and definitely more upbeat, particularly, um, you know, compared to Whitehaven, because mm -hmm. they're looking to buy BHP's coal assets. Yeah, there was quite a lot of consternation amongst some shareholders mm. about that move, which was yeah. confirmed by Whitehaven Coal yesterday. Let's get some analysis on where we sit right now. Welcome to the COB, Nathan Samasandaram from Deep Data Analytics. Nathan, good afternoon to you. What, are we all just have our heads up in the clouds or something in, today? Or in the solar system, <laughs> judging by your backdrop. Yeah, look, I, I had to pick a couple of thematics. I thought uh, mixing food and geopolitics, as you guys were talking about, I think they're the two big things that are running in the market at the moment. And so, um, you know, we've just had... Um, El Nino being um, classified mm -hmm. um, and you're going to see, you know, if you look at historical trends, we're going to see higher food prices and you add what's happening in um, energy prices, utilities uh, prices tend to go up around these times as well. So um, there's going to be more price rises coming. Yeah. And uh, we had what seemed to be a clearly hawkish central bank, at least the minutes reflecting that at the beginning of September, talking about sticky services inflation, talking about rising petrol prices, saying that they remain data dependent. How how hawkish, relatively speaking, did you read it? No, they're not hawkish. Um, they all, it's, it's like when you walk past a dog, the dog always barks at you because it doesn't know you. <laughs> uh, the central banks always talk hawkish. Uh, what do they have? Uh, the market knows it. The uh, market knows that the best they've got is two hikes, most likely one. Um, they have to scare the market with the last few hikes. Um, they're stuck. Um, this is the problem. Um, and um, you know, I've said this for two years now. Central banks, once, especially the US, once the inflation goes above 5%, they have zero track record. They cannot get it under control, not because they can't do it. It's because of the political pressure and the market pressure, they just can't. And so it's hard for them to do it. They know what to do. Everyone knows what they should have done. Um, it's just that they just don't do it. Um, so everyone's going to talk tough. Um, I mean, we've got at the moment, the expectations are for the US Fed to be on hold and Bank of England to hike. But already, um, you know, brokers are getting leaked information that Bank of England might be on a hold. Uh, and this is the problem because when you're down to your last hike or two, Really, you, you don't want to use it up because especially if inflation, as what we expected, inflation is going to run up in Q4 
Uh, and if that's going to happen, they want to have the firepower as a potential to threaten the market. If they use it up, then the market knows there's nothing left. So I think they're going to talk tough, but I don't think there's much there. U.S. Fed historically in this cycle has never actually surprised the market. So I don't think they're going to hike. Um, expectations are over 90% for a hold. So I think they'll hold. They'll talk tough, uh, but it's a hold. Yeah. Mathan, uh, given that, you know, this the, the oil price is high, $95 a barrel, I think it's hit. Um, some people say that they're going to get it up to $100 a barrel. They, of course, being the Saudis and the Russians and the Chinese potentially working together. Um, is the energy sector a good place for investors to continue to buy or hide in at this point in time? Yeah, I think it's an interesting cycle. I mean, there's a lot of things that are very similar to what happened in the 70s. And in the 70s, the energy sector outperformed in a recession type scenario with inflation going nuts. So in that scenario, is that you know being replicated? Potentially, um, there's always a lot of moving parts. So it's hard to always you know pick the exact cycle. But as you were discussing before, the US weaponized the US dollar. And what the rest of the gang, now we've got BRICS and OPEC getting together, um, they're weaponizing commodities, uh, what they have control over. I mean, it's a cartel. What's the point of having a cartel if you can't manipulate the price higher? <laughs> and so okay. I don't think uh, it's a real surprise. I think um, I think on the for their budgets, the Saudis need about 90, 95 to make it balance. And some of the other OPEC countries need higher, probably close to 100, 110. So for them, their budgets are in a complete mess. I mean, the amount of football players and, you know, all the other golf and so forth sports that the Saudis have bought, they need a high oil price to pay for a lot of those. So I'm not surprised. I suspect you'll probably get it above 100 and then you'll get a recession worry come in and that'll probably bring it back a bit. But I suspect the oil price is going to be in the 90s to around the 90 to 100 range. Yeah. Okay. Let's just flesh out this food thing because I'm just watching and reading on Reuters the headline saying Australia scarred by bushfires Mm. on high alert for the dangerous summer to come. It has been declared an El Nino. No, uh, no, Nino. Apologies. El Nino. El Nino was what we had a couple (laughs) years ago. Anyways, yeah, La Nina. Thank God I have you with me. Um, but, you know, this means, A, um, bushfires are more likely, not saying an inevitability, but more likely. Um, you know, food, uh, the impact that it has on the agri-sector, um, you know, and all of the other sort of um, second-tier impacts of a really hot, dry summer here in Australia. So flesh out your thinking on where, you know, it sounds crude, but the opportunities might lie there. Yeah, look, never miss a good crisis. Um, and the cycle is, it's not really a surprise, as most of us would know. Um, generally, what happens in Canada tends to come across to us, and they're having an absolute shocking Shocker. hot summer. So that's going to come across. Most likely, we will have some heat burn. We've already had back burning already, and you know we're in September, and we're, we're in a, a real hot spring right now. So in that context, is it going to get hot? I think so. Um, and history tells you that the agri-sector takes a bit of a hit. Supply-side issues rise. Um, and then prices will follow, and the agri-sector does even better. And, you know, most there's a lot of um, soft commodities that are already at historical high because there's weather, erratic weather problems hitting the supply chain globally. A lot of countries like India, like a number of Asian countries, have actually put export ban on number of food items to protect their population because they have an election cycle coming and their inflation is going nuts. So you can already see supply chain problems in the food, 
And in Australia, domestically, we've been, you know, we've been lucky that we produce a lot of the food, but that will be under threat. I expect where, you know, vegetable prices, meat prices will rise through summer. Mm. Mm. Not right. nice. Not nice. I Not don't nice wanna, at all. I don't want to see a number, another summer of 2019 and early 2020. I'm just never... reading about koala bush habitats becoming under don't, increasing risk don't, from don't. bush fires. Okay, so Nathan, any good news for investors uh, as we head toward the end of the year? As far as, I mean, we're in a very low volume period right now with this trepidation ahead of all of these central banks to meet this week. Um, you know, there hasn't been a whole lot of corporate news. Like when when do you see us sort of pulling ourselves out of the doldrums, if at all? I think we're in a bit of a slow motion um, economic slowdown. Um, and, you know, you never know what is going to knock the, um, I guess, the, the legs off. Um, you always get some left field events. So I'm not going to predict that. Mm-hmm. But I think we're in low growth for a long period of time. I mean, RBA is predicting that we get back to normal inflation rate in 2025. Now. The reality is that means prices, which are around 14, 15% higher than what it was pre-pandemic, it's going to remain elevated for years to come. So I don't think consumers are going to be holding up quite well. I think there's going to be tough times. Where's the opportunity? On the flip side, and you know, everything in, you, there's a lot of sectors that benefit from these kind of cycles. So the agri sector, the fertilizer sector, the chemical sector will benefit out of this weather problems. Um, then you look at the central banks at the end of their rate hike cycle, the gold sector will benefit out of that because in reality, if inflation is rising and rates are going to remain where they are, then in real terms, rates are going down. Mm. That's positive for gold. I suspect gold will rise here. Um, too many people have created too many stories about China stimulus. I think it's about the seventh or eighth in the last six months. Um, don't get too excited there. I think China's holds up. It's not going to blow up. Yeah. Uh, again, that's 30-year myth. Um, but they will have slower growth, just like the rest of the world. So the opportunities are, look at domestically staple type plays. Everyone wants to chase the next AI story. You do not have AI without telecommunication. Look at the telecommunication sector. It's actually relatively cheap, Mm. and there's a few turnaround stories. So the telecommunication sector looks pretty good. The food sector looks good. The gold sector looks good. The service sectors, whether it's commercial or mining or construction services, they're actually looking good and the multiples are really cheap. So there are segments of the market, they offer pretty good return, but overall market, we're heavily weighted by banks and miners. I don't think they're going anywhere in the, in the short term. Okay, um, Nathan, thank you for joining us today on the COB. I know I've got to let you go. We've got to let you go because you've got your Sunset Strip to rat, right? It's a it's a daily, actually, newsletter that uh, Deep Data Analytics puts out, and it always starts with a cartoon. I often look at it in the morning, Nathan, just to gauge your mood <laughs> for the coming day, whether I should call you or not. I'm just kidding. Have a good night. Thank you so much for Thanks, joining Nathan. us. Thanks, Nathan. No problem. Thanks, guys. It Bye. is called the Sunset Sending some newsletter love Nathan's way. We've got our own newsletter. Same name as this program, actually, the COB, every day. I'll put the email address, actually, for you to register if you don't get it already um, up on screen in a bit. But, yeah, Danny writes in it pretty much every day. It's got a view. It's got a whole lot of stuff you might might be interested in. Um, But as far as market leaders and laggards go, let's start with the leaders. 
and um, Silver Lake Resources. There we go. Yeah, absolutely. As well as, uh, yep, New Hope is up there as well. Coronado, Global Resources, Capricorn Metals, and John's Ling for some reason standing out there. I'm just wondering whether well, not... whether it was added. Yes. So we had a rebalancing of the uh, indices, mm -hmm. basically some companies moving in and out, which have actually caused some quite big movements. Well, Nurin is one of those companies, not on the list there, but it was one of the best performers up by about 3.5% and it has just been added ah, to, the, um, to the 200. So it, it has had an impact on the companies on this list. And I think in absence of any really big news coming for a lot of these companies, we did see Fisher and Paykel. It's um, sort of a little bit further down that list, but still one of the market leaders has been upgraded to neutral from underperform by Forsyth Bar. Um, but yeah, Blue Scope Steel, it gave up a bit of ground yesterday because it actually might be impacted by those United Auto Workers strikes Absolutely. that are happening in the U.S. Yep. It's got a nor North American operation. Correct. I thought that was really interesting just to see that feed through. But yeah. today, picked itself up off the mat and um, it's actually up by about 2.3%. So we might have a look at some of the laggards and see who's in that bunch today. So there we go. So the likes of, I'm just going to take you through, some of the ones that have dropped out because they seem to be hitting into uh, the group that are coming under selling pressure. And I'm pretty sure if I look at the likes of Brainship, and I had it earlier on, mm -hmm. that one is one of them that is, uh, yes, moving out. But of and Soraya Resources as well. And yep, MUG, absolutely. one of these companies that we're always talking about as either the best there or worst go. performers. Yeah, yeah it's being taken out as well. And as well as Lake Resources, there we go. Abacus as well, when I looked earlier, was weaker. So uh, portfolios or fund managers looking to do a bit of adjusting with some of these stocks moving out of the ASX 200, basically. In the small to medium cap space now, I didn't host the small caps today. Our colleague Tessa did, if you'd like to listen to that, on, it's up online right now. Um, so look, Botanics Pharma, Vista, both doing pretty well there today. You can see some of these small to mid cap uh, percentage uh, can be quite dramatic, Absolutely. of course, because low it's moving volume. up a few cents on low volume. Absolutely. Some of the laggards, if we see if there's any sort of a theme here, well, mm, no. Soraya, again, yeah. and all those in a few names in the resources space as well. So what is happening overnight? Wow, there we go. Eurozone August CPI. Now that will be interesting. US housing starts. Um, they're probably going to be quite, yeah, that'll be interesting. I think the housing starts relatively have been holding up a bit in the States and that's largely due to the fact that the home builders have been subsidizing the mortgages. Yeah, I mean, so that's the existing home market that's absolutely crashing because no one wants to refinance and then tomorrow New Zealand dairy auction <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah we get the uh, Fed policy meeting ongoing and yeah. then it starts to get more interesting tomorrow with the UK August CPI and PPI that comes of course ahead of the Bank of England monetary policy meeting the next day and um, in the Asian session tomorrow we get the Japanese August trade balance but sounds like it's a bit of a fizzle here locally for any data tomorrow but you never know what will be thrown up over through the overnight period absolutely 
completely given that there is so much geopolitics at the moment. So the ASX 200 I've got currently down around 34.7196 or almost half a percent and the SIBO 200 or five points and uh, that's 0.36%. So, so yeah, unfortunately. No thanks to the banks today. No thanks to a lot of those big miners. Again, gold was a standout. Uh, yeah, that's and, interesting. I yeah. think gold's starting to move a little bit. Nathan made a good point that whenever there is a hint that the central banks are really, I suppose, going to have to pivot at some stage, then that's, you know, when gold will start to take off. Aussie dollar, a little bit weaker uh, currently. It's uh, down to 64, spot 27 uh, US cents. So a little bit weaker after those RBA notes. But yeah. That's probably it. Keep an eye on that UAW strike. So the U.S. Fed, I said Fed Reserve Chair, U.S. <laughs> Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen says that it's too premature to sort of gauge any sort of impact on the U.S. economy. But we know that it had an impact on semiconductor chip makers the other day. We know mm. that it's had an impact on Blue Scope's steel shares, at least in the very short term. So it's just one of those watching briefs. They're talking about mm. striking in Canada as far as Ford oh, Worker goes as mm. well. And I thought it was really interesting, Danny, just a sign of the times, if you'll indulge us just a bit. Mm. Okay, of course they want better pay. Mm -hmm. That goes without saying. They want more flexibility. Mm. They want to work less hours. And they would also like to know that as these companies transition towards EVs, mm -hmm. that they have job security. Uh, that's a sign really of the times. It is a sign of the times because Tesla inadvertently is actually a beneficiary because they have non-unionized labor force. They have um, a lot more robotics, lo you know, less workforce. And also as the oil price goes up, surely at some point people are going to start to say, well, I don't want to be totally reliant on oil. But yeah, it is a sign mm -hmm. of the times. There's lots of disruption. And also a politician that's never going to lose an opportunity is, dare I say, Donald Trump. He is going mm -hmm. off to speak to these workers rather than appearing at uh, one of the uh, Republican, you know, uh, get togethers. Right. Yeah, yeah, okay. exactly. So yeah, it, it just looks that there is uh, this geopolitics is really starting to come to the fore again as we go into a 2024 election year in the US. All right, so Asian stocks under pressure today. Hey, I put this, um, I guess, address and web address if you'd like to sign up for the COB newsletter and you haven't already. It's a bit long, admittedly. Company.osbiz.com.au forward slash newsletter. And, Absolutely. Uh, and you, you get all those interviews that we've picked on the day. Yeah. The, the, the ones that, uh, yeah, they're all great, but we pick uh, just three to put out there to uh, everybody on the day. Very diplomatic. All right. We'll see you tomorrow morning. Thanks for joining us. Bye.